And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. Thank you for joining us. In weeks past, we have been seeing justification's blessings for the Christian. Today, we look at the believer's free access to God and the Christian sense of God's proven love. It is dead wrong for a justified believer to be silent about God's blessings he has received. And now with his message today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Have you been reconciled to God? Have you realized and acknowledged that you couldn't run to God in sin, but in Christ, God came right all the way to you? Trust Christ and only Christ. Accept the free gifts of forgiveness in heaven and peace with God and reconciliation and justification. If you've never done it before. The next blessing of being reconciled is the hope of grace. I see that in verses 2 to 9 and verse 11. The hope of grace. I see two dimensions to the hope of grace due to justification. I see a future aspect of the hope of grace, which has two parts. The two future parts of the hope of grace for the justified. First, glory, verse 2b into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. The hope of grace starts with a future aspect, which is one day we will share in Christ's glory. The second future blessing of the hope of grace is no wrath. Verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We shall be spared from the wrath of God through Christ if we're saved. We won't stand before the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20 and have all the deeds of our sins paraded out and be sentenced to degrees of punishment in a literal hell. The future hope of grace for the believer is not having to stand before Jesus as a judge as the great white throne judgment. But there's also a present aspect of the hope of grace when you're justified, and that is found in verses 3 to 8. I'd like to read them again. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The future aspects of the hope of grace are being able to share in God's glory and having no judgment or wrath at the great white throne judgment. And the present Dimension of the hope of grace for the justified has three things to it. You ready? Number one, we gain free access to God that we didn't have before we were saved and justified. Free access or admittance 
to God. Verse 2a, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. Like you, maybe, uh, some of uh, you may, along with me in the past, appreciated Life magazine. Life magazine was sort of a pictorial uh, magazine before things like People magazine and things like that. And there were very many famous black and white pictures in Life magazine years gone by. And I remember with great interest and it stirred my imagination when I saw JFK in the, in the Oval Office seated at the president's desk and below him in the center part of the president's desk was John Jr. as a little boy playing uh, at his father's feet while his father... Uh, presided over Congress and the Senate and world affairs. How did John Jr. get in the Oval Office? How could he have been playing at the feet of the President of the United States while the President was on phone calls and writing letters and all those things? Simple. John Jr. was son to JFK. And that gave him an introduction to be with his daddy, wherever his daddy was, whether it was at the beach at Hyannisport or whether it was even in the Oval Office because John Jr. had an introduction to be with the president based on being the president's boy. When we are justified, we have the blessing of the hope of grace of having access to God Almighty. We can go into his presence at any time about anything And he'll be there for us. He'll listen to our prayers. The hope of grace. One aspect of the present hope of grace is this free access and admittance to God that I've just spoken of. The second aspect of the present time quality of justification's blessing and the hope of grace is spiritual growth in times of trouble. To be human in a fallen world is to have times of trouble. If you think no one, anyone in this congregation sits here today without trouble, do you know what I know? You don't know that person very well yet. We all have troubles. The man in the pulpit and you in the pew, we all have troubles because we live in a fallen world and we battle flesh. But the great thing about justification and the hope of grace is that we can see spiritual growth out of our troubles. Verses 3 and 4. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You can know, justified believer, that whatever trouble you are in the middle of right now, you can see God bring spiritual growth to you in that very trouble if you have your eyes fixed on him in faith. Missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, opened an orphanage and founded a mission and rescued Indian girls out of sex slavery. But Amy Carmichael's life was full of troubles. She was seriously injured in a fall and was bedridden for most of the last 20 years of her life. She wrote lots of books during the time of being bedridden. This is what she said. This is what Amy Carmichael said about troubles. I think God wants to make me pure gold. 
So he's burning off the dross, teaching me the meaning of the fire, the burnt offering, the death of the self part of me. Amy Carmichael, 20 years in bed due to a back injury, understood the fire, understood the refining process of God, understood that the dross of her life that needed to be burned off by her trials was a self-life. She was victorious in her troubles. Actually, it says in verse 3, and not only this, but we also exult, E-X-U-L-T. In the Greek, in verse 3, this means to brag about or to boast in. This is striking. Because of grace, because of the hope of grace, you that are justified, we can actually brag or boast in our pressures and in our problems because our pressures and our problems are God's special doorways into proven Christian character. You haven't noticed a tea bag is not much use until it gets thrown into boiling water? True with the Christian life. We don't have much to offer unless we've been thrown into the hot water and Jesus has brought us through. Paige Patterson commented on this whole truth that the hope of grace, the hope of the justified, can be that we can spiritually grow through our troubles. Paige Patterson commented on this truth when he observed that our adversities are God's universities. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas Rogers, and I serve as a youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue on our series of being an influencer. And last time we talked about how we need to look at others to, to gain wisdom, look for someone who we can trust, look for someone who can speak life into us, who can encourage us, who can, who's a wise person. And today we want to continue as we think of the Apostle Paul and we think of those same things. As we think of the Christian life, we need to understand that there are many things that we can do, but there are things that we should not do. Like we said, we already said that wisdom is chasing what's good rather than what's chasing what's evil. But let's be honest, life isn't always that simple. Our decisions are often complicated than choosing between something that is clearly good and something that's clearly evil. As we think of the years following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the early Christians were having trouble figuring out the wise thing to do in a specific situation. At the time, it was a common practice to offer animal sacrifices to false gods. After those sacrifices were made, the meat from those animals would sometimes be sold and eaten. The Christians of the day couldn't decide if it was okay for them to eat that meat or not. If they ate it, would it be like they were worshiping false god? The Apostle Paul, one of the biggest influences for Jesus ever said in response, as we think of 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24, says this, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. It also says in verse 31 to 33, it says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or the church of God, just as I also try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. And in verse 1 it says, Imitate me also as I imitate Christ. Again, as we see in this passage, 
we see he is saying, look, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You know, you can eat this meat, but it may not be beneficial to you. I want to sometimes look at, I want us to look at in today's society. Look at today's world. Okay? We have all the fast food restaurants we want that we can eat from. You know, we can go to McDonald's, we go to Wendy's, we go to all these restaurants. And we, we have the freedom to eat it. But I ask you, is that beneficial for us to eat all the time? And the answer is no. And I know people have done studies where they've had people who have eaten McDonald's nuggets every day of the week of the year. And uh, they haven't put on weight and different things and da-da-da. But let's be real. We need to understand that that's not good for us to eat all the time. We got to understand as the same, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Again, as we think of being an influence, we have to ask ourselves, are we helping ourselves? Are we helping other people? I like to run. And I remember, you know, I used to run and, and um, it was great to have someone with me who I was running with because it would help me to push even further. But if I didn't have that person who was there with me, then I can be honest with you, I, I didn't push his heart. And that's why for me, when I run, I have an app that I use that tells me to run fast, to do this, because I need that person to push me. I, even though it's not that person on my side, I need that app to help me. But I ask you, what is it in us as we think of Christ? You know, on the one hand, we have incredible freedom in Jesus. God's grace frees us from seeing our faith as though it is a strict list of do's or don'ts. And on the other hand, even though we have an incredible freedom, not everything that is allowed is always the best choice for us, the people we love and for the world we live in. You see, when we're not sure what's good, Paul gives us one way to decide what's wise. He tells us to think just not about what we want, but to think about what's best for others. You see, wisdom is how we make decisions when our options aren't clearly good or evil. Wisdom means chasing after what's good, even when what's good isn't totally clear. You know, as I think of that, and I think of the, how we think of our lives and we think of what is wise to do, we have to ask ourselves, would Jesus Christ be happy with it? And that's why verse 31 is so key. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And that is how we line up everything in our lives. We have to ask ourselves, would God be pleased with this? Would God want me to do this? Again, as we think of the Christian life, and there are many people who are listening to the broadcast, and, and especially young people sometimes, as I know, we think of what we call the gray areas of, of Scripture. And we think to ourselves, well, the Scripture doesn't say that that is wrong. Or the Scripture doesn't say that this is right. And we, we try to justify it. And I ask you this question. When you have to try to justify something, I ask you, is that just the thing to think about, well, maybe it's wrong for me to do it? If I have to try to, to make a point so that people accept it, or I want to try to, to stand out in a way that I know would not be the best way for me to stand out, I have to ask myself, is that bringing honor and glory to God? And the answer probably is no. Does it mean that you're not going to rub the world the wrong way? Well, that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that we need to not try to just push the envelope to push the envelope so that we can make a scene. 
but if we want to push the envelope for the glory of God, then we do what God wants us to do because we have to understand that whatever we do in the world today is going to go against what the world is teaching us. And we follow after God. We do what God wants us to do. People are not going to like you. And that's why as we think of this, we think of being an influence, especially as an influence as a young person who knows Jesus Christ as the Lord and personal Savior, you got to understand that you are going to always have people who are not going to like you. Because if you take a stand for God, the world is not going to accept it. So I ask you, what is it that you are struggling with? What is it that you are saying, well, I don't know if I should do this or that? And I would ask you to just look at God's word and look at 1 Corinthians 10.31 and ask that question. If I do this, is this going to bring glory and honor to God? As verse 33 says, Just as I also try to please everyone and everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. I challenge you, is this going to push someone closer to Jesus Christ? Or is it going to push them further away from Jesus Christ? And that's how we can line up. That's how we can say, this is the type of influence I want to be. I want to be an influence that, that gets wisdom from God, wisdom from others, and wisdom in order to be a better person for Jesus Christ. So I challenge you in closing. Think about your life. Think about the things you do and ask yourself, will this bring honor and glory to God? It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. This question comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. And that verse reads, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The question is, how is Paul's doctrine of the physical resurrection consistent with his statement that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Paul concludes his defense of the doctrine of the resurrection by explaining the process by which the resurrection body is obtained. By the rapture, verse 52 of chapter 15, or through death, verses 54 through 57. The importance of this is stressed in verse 50, where Paul declares, that, quote, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, end quote. Paul's point is that you cannot go to heaven in your present mortal body. The perishable body must be changed and modified in order to enter into the heavenly sphere. The resurrection body will not be made of flesh and blood, but it will be a very real, glorified human body. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 reads, 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The question is, if our sins were judged at the cross, why must believers stand before the judgment seat of Christ? The issue at the judgment seat, Greek bima, of Christ is not the punishment of sin, but the reward of service. After the church is taken to heaven, individual believers will be judged for their works. Each believer's life will be examined with regard to his or her faithfulness as a steward of the abilities and opportunities entrusted to each by God. Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 14 and 15 that faithfulness will be graciously rewarded and unfaithfulness will result in the loss of reward. The judgment seat of Christ should serve as a motivation for godly living and for faithful service for Christ. And now, today's personal God story. Well, I grew up in Calvary Bible Church, uh, attended Sunday school church. My grandmother was a choir director. Uh, All of my family was really involved in church. So when I was younger, I believed that I could get to heaven by just my parents and my grandparents. They were Christians, so therefore I believed I was a Christian. So that all changed when I was about 10 years old. I went to the Word of Life Ranch in Scroon Lake, New York, and it was during an altar call. I realized that I needed to make my faith my own. My faith wasn't my parents' faith or my grandparents' faith. So I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I understood that he came to earth and died for my sins in order for me to be saved, that I needed to believe that for myself. So my life changed for a short period of time after that. I went off to college and I went to a Christian college, Cedarville University. And my freshman semester there, I rededicated my life to Christ. So being at a Christian college, it was very easy to, for my faith to grow, as well as I had my grandmother to help my faith grow as well. She was a very strong influence in my life. So throughout that time, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations, but my faith did grow. I was sick often, but I found that my faith was growing. So it was about my junior year that my grandmother got sick and I moved home and I was her caretaker and I really found myself angry with God, why he made her sick, why he would make someone sick. That was the biggest influence in my life. And then she passed away in June of 2014. And I found myself really angry with God. I shut him out completely. I was at a Christian college and taking all of these Bible classes, but I didn't want anything to do with God at all. So I shut him out. I said, I don't want anything to do with him. And then I moved back home and I was still struggling when I came back home. Still didn't want anything to do. I wouldn't come to church. I didn't want to do with anything to do with God. I wouldn't sing because she loved to sing. So I just ran away from it. And my dad actually recommended that I go and speak with Sister Helen Arnett at the Christian Counseling Center. And I went to a few meetings with her, and she really 
helped to put me back on the right path just to kind of tell me, you know, hey, your grandmother would love for you to be growing in your faith, you know. So she kind of pushed me towards that and she made me realize that even when my grandmother was sick, she was still praising God and she knew that when she died, she knew where she was going and she was at peace. So and that's ultimately what I wanted my life to be like. So that's what pushed me to rededicate my life and get baptized. My name is Anissa Aubrey. We want to conclude this Echoes of Calvary broadcast with a Puritan prayer. The Puritan prayer, the divine will. O Lord, I hang on thee. I see, believe, live when thy will, not mine, is done. I can plead nothing in myself in regard of any worthiness or, and grace, in regard of thy providence and promises, but only thy good pleasure. If thy mercy make me poor and vile, blessed be thou. Prayers arising from my needs and preparations for full mercies. Help me to honor thee by believing before I feel. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. Show me what sins hide thee from me and eclipse thy love. Help me to humble myself for past evils and be resolved to walk with more care. For if I do not walk holily before thee, how can I be assured of my salvation? It is the meek and humble who are shown thy covenant, know thy will, are pardoned and healed, who by faith depend and rest upon grace, who are sanctified and quickened, who evidence thy love. Help me to pray in faith and so find thy will by leaning hard on thy rich free mercy, by believing thou wilt give what thou hast promised. Strengthen me to pray with the conviction that whatever I receive is thy gift, so that I may pray until prayer be granted. Teach me to believe that all degrees of mercy arise from several degrees of prayer, that when faith is begun, it is imperfect and must grow, as chapped ground opens wider and wider until rain comes. So shall I wait thy will, pray for it to be done, and by thy grace, become fully obedient. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas And remember, everyone needs a savior.